Hey folks, how's everyone doing? Uh, we are live again with another episode of Dojo Talks. And um, originally we were going to do a like 2022 recap, 2023 uh, prediction episode. Um, but then David linked this story to us that just kind of broke recently and seems pretty important um, and kind of controversial um, about uh, this uh, arbiter. Um, some of you may have seen on, on Twitter um, that got in trouble for wearing a couple of different um, T-shirts slash, uh, slash outfits. But let me throw it to David to actually fully uh, catch everyone up on the, uh, on the topic. Yeah. Thanks, Gostia. Um, right. So the, the events that are at stake, I think, are from about October when there was the FIDE uh, Fisher Random World Chess Championships. Um, but as far as I know, um, the arbiter in question, Shored Bayat, just sort of broke this story this weekend. So that's why we're talking about it now. But I think the events we're talking about are from about two and a half months ago. Um, am I using the wrong mic? Somebody asked. Let me just check real quick. Yes. Awesome. Thanks for the help. All right. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> nice. That was a nice one. Chat is so useful. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, all right. So... <clears throat> So uh, what happened is this this arbiter Shoreb Bayat was uh, was uh, working at the FIDE uh, Fisher Random World Championships, which were won by Hikaru Nakamura and had also you know Magnus Carlsen, Wesley So, Nodirbek, Abdul Sadarov, um, Jan Nepomniachtchi. It was like a pretty serious tournament, other than the time control, and um, so she was working there and she wore. Uh, a t-shirt which had three words on it right women or women life and freedom i think are the three words women life freedom and uh after wearing that during one of the first early rounds she was asked um not to um by a fide official and then uh you know, she wasn't swayed by that. And then the, the president, Arkady Dvorkovich, asked her to change it. And according to her, she, you know, hesitated and was upset and didn't know what to do. Then she decided to switch outfits and she wore an outfit uh, that was a mix of blue and yellow, kind of mirroring the Ukrainian flag colors. Um, and uh, then she was also asked to not wear that. They were also upset with that. And uh, now basically she's uh, spoken out about it uh, because she's upset. Uh, she was shortly after that not renewed as a member of the uh, Arbiters Commission at FIDE. She was instead offered a post on the Women's Commission, but she declined that post and apparently wanted to continue on the Arbiters Commission, which she wasn't reinvited to. Um, it was the end of her term and commissions were being renewed. So it wasn't like a midterm firing or anything like that. It was just, uh, you know, and, and for context, uh, Fide mentioned that 60% of people aren't renewed in their commissions. And instead, you know, somebody new is brought in or they're moved to another commission, et cetera. Um, and uh, now she's complaining and saying that, you know, it was done out of 
political animosity against her because Dvorkovich uh, has one set of politics which are opposed to her and he's sort of against her and he's the president. And uh, one of the more salient factors in this story is that uh, Fide has accused her of bringing politics into chess and not being sufficiently neutral. They said um, David Lada, who was who was the first official who complained, um, what he said is FIDE officials need to follow political neutrality while on duty. Okay, and that, that was his take. So she's bringing politics into this event, and then he called it uh, unprofessional and inappropriate. Now, what she claims is a similar thing. She thinks that, um, or she she's made statements that it's Dvorkovich and others in FIDE who are bringing politics into FIDE because she's uh, released a couple interviews in, in which she calls Dvorkovich a pawn of the Kremlin and says he's advancing Russian political um, goals through FIDE. Oh, no. I think we, oh, no. we've connection. lost it. <laughs> um, but, okay, that was David giving a very neutral assessment of the situation. Okay, so in a sense, they're each accusing oh. each other of the same thing, right? Inappropriately bringing... Okay. You... Oh, did you lose me? I'm sorry. Yeah, we, yeah lost. we lost connection for like 10 seconds there. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Um, I was I was close to the end. I was just trying to say that each party is accusing the other of bringing politics into chess. Hence our topic, neutrality in chess, right? Can we achieve neutrality and how how should we achieve it? Okay, good. I think that was pretty fair. I, I could see you really trying to be balanced there. <laughs> oh, thanks. That's a good um, assessment of the, the situation. So... Um, yeah, so this seems like kind of an important thing because like, um, I, this arbiter who, um, uh, does not just work like FIDE events. She, she's worked all over. I, I saw her working, um, events like in Charlotte, not too long ago. I, I think she's worked like Gibraltar, like, like major tournaments. So she's clearly like a very professional and, and competent arbiter. Um, and so it's like just an issue with, um, I guess in FIDE's mind, like her, like making uh, a political statement with like what what she's wearing, so um, so yeah. So David, uh, how, maybe you you'd like to go first. How do you how do you feel about it? Um, <laughs> I so I think one of the most important things to realize is that to some extent everything is political, and so I think that there's like a an understanding and terminology mistake that lots of people are making. For example, um. Shoreb Bayrat and a lot of people who support her um, are saying, Bayat, sorry, um, are saying that she was standing up for basic human rights, which is not political. Personally, I would argue that human rights are political. They're defined by political processes, and they're one of the most important things that people fight about in political uh, realms and even in wars. Um, and so... I think one of the most important things to realize is that is that sort of like everything is political in the FIDE charter. It says that FIDE is supposed to promote human rights, which I think is a political mission statement. Right. Mm -hmm. So she pointed to that and said, I'm following the FIDE charter. Um, so I think FIDE, in a sense, has a self-contradictory stance there, right, that their charter actually tells you to do something political, namely not just like we're for human rights. It says we're supposed to promote them. It says, uh, let's see, I've got it here. Section 4.3. FIDE is committed to respecting all internationally recognized human rights and shall strive to promote 
the protection of these rights, which means they're supposed to take not just a political stance, but like an activist political stance. And at the same time, they're criticizing someone for being political. So I think that I think that most of these people involved have a different understanding of what is or isn't political than me. And obviously, I think they're all wrong. Yeah, it definitely feels a little hypocritical, ambiguous at best, I would say. And they have taken political stances. They banned Karyak and removed them from the candidates over like political words that he said, right? Like they kind of. Yeah, their claim is it's about bringing the game into disrepute, but obviously it was political statements that they thought bring the game into yeah. disrepute, I guess. No, I mean, that's definitely, you know, like by any account, that's like that was like an anti-Russian measure to, to ban Karyakin, you know, like one of their like top stars. Um, yeah. But uh, and whether or not they want to, I would argue they're making various decisions that are political all the time. And I'll bring up two ones which I think are obvious enough that they would probably convince most people that FIDE is engaged in political decisions. One is whether or not to let Russian players play after this invasion. One is whether or not to let the Russian team represent Russia in Olympiads and other events. Um, another is whether to do anything about the Iranian versus Israeli situation where Iranian players don't play Israeli players and Israeli players keep getting forfeits. And sometimes an Iranian player plays against an Israeli player and gets in trouble when they go home or can't go home. Uh, I don't know if that's convincing, but what but, do you but think? But so Jose? far, FIDE, they haven't done anything on the Iranian-Israeli um, thing, right? They just ignore it. The player forfeits the game, and then they just don't do anything. So they they haven't really taken a stance there. I, I guess, yes. I guess that would again get into, I think that doing nothing is also sort of like a choice and a political move. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, actually, that's definitely one of, one of the things I've, I've been thinking about. It's just like... Yeah, when like the war broke out last year, it's like it, it was so visible. Everyone's watching it. It's like you you can't just ignore it. Like ignoring it is not being neutral about it. Ignoring mm-hmm. it is just letting the war proceed, letting it happen, and not trying to do anything about it. So right. it's like doing nothing in general is a political choice in favor of the status quo. Um, yeah, not just the status quo, but also just the <laughs> direction that things are heading as well. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if you can, if you see that, you know, some like some car is about to hit something and you can yell out to them to stop it, you know, at a certain point, like you're culpable if you're not, <laughs> you're not doing anything right. I'm not saying you have that responsibility 100% of the time, but at a certain point, it's like, anyway, yeah, you can't just continue to ignore it. And FIDA hasn't ignored it. They've done certain things. They've removed like the Russian flag and, and, and all kinds of stuff. Um, and uh, I, I think some sometimes they've like fudged pairings, no, between like to try and keep Israelis and Iranians from being paired in the last round of some tournament. I don't know. There have been discussions about like like they've sort of done nothing. But at the same time, like occasionally it has sort of bubbled up, you know, like a tournament director switched a pairing or something. It came to FIDE. FIDE has to decide whether or not to censor the arbiter or support them or whatever. So. Yeah. Well, in general, it it does make sense. I think the issue is like if you if you think about it like in a vacuum, of course it makes sense. Like you, we do want FIDE to be kind of neutral when it just comes to like political stuff, where there's just like two sides to an issue. Um, and it's like in general, we do want arbiters to be kind of like neutral. Although I don't know, I think people should be allowed to express themselves, especially if it's like it's like a cause. You know, it's like not everything feels like it's like an equal two sides thing. Sometimes it just feels like there's a cause and there's people that it's like need help. And it's like, 
speaking up for them is just like a good thing. It's just like can be seen as a universally good thing. Um, so yeah, it's really, it's really weird um, from, from feeding. I feel like I don't, I don't think they, they meant for this thing to, to blow up. I think it's kind of uh, Barbara Streisand for them a bit um, because now it's like very much in the, in the spotlight, but um, yeah, FIDE and like dress codes, they're just like really, they're really struggling with, with, uh, <laughs> with the dress code. I feel like, I mean, I, I mean, I think like, I feel like there's a ton of good people in FIDE. It's just feel, I just feel like they have an impossible task. Like, uh, you know, you mentioned David, David Lada. I think David's like a great person. And it's like, I just feel like he's caught in like a very difficult position. Um, yeah. but it's like, you know, there's all these issues in chess. I kind of get it from Fide's point of view. There's all these issues in chess that they just can't really solve. It's like, like early draws, like boring draws. There's like rampant, like cheating. There's some cheating. Um, there's like Magnus Carlsen dropping out of the world championship match. It's like the world championship is like not like the classical chess is not like really a spectator sport. There's like all these like different issues that like they just can't figure out. But like the dress code, they can enforce that. They can like they can force players to like wear the proper clothes. They can force arbiters. It's like that's something that they can just kind of do and control. It's like and they can and I feel like that it's like important to the sponsors, like in their mind, like that's what they're thinking. It's like, oh, the sponsors are going to be really upset. Like the dress code's not followed, but it's just like there's so many other things. It's like that's what's kind of to me upsetting about this. That it's like it's like that's where like the focus is. Uh, well, on the, on the dress code, Shorep pointed out that there is no dress code for arbiters. She said if there were one, she would have followed the dress code for arbiters. That as an arbiter, she is very much about the rules and following the rules and knowing the rules. There's no rule about what she should wear. And she objects to somebody with different politics than her, Vorkovich, just personally deciding what she can or can't wear and you know putting pressure on her or choosing whether or not she gets hired based on her politics. Or her clothes yeah i mean i don't know i don't even know if it's necessarily related to do with uh even like her politics or dorkovich's politics or whatever like i can imagine if some arbiter wore like some pro-russian symbol they might have asked him to like take it off as well right it's mm -hmm. like i don't think it's really about like like who or what she was supporting necessarily yeah, maybe it was mm -hmm. for sure but like i can see from their perspective like oh they just don't want any kind of like political statements period right but if there fine. but if there's no codified dress code like her problem is that it's basically it's to the discretion of Dvorkovich to pressure whoever he wants only if he cares right so like it's not like somebody would have known to enforce it if there were something that Dvorkovich didn't care about because it's an unwritten rule or not a rule yeah I mean like that's that's fine I don't know to me it's it's almost kind of beside the point like uh I mean, because like you can still follow the dress code and still like find a way to make, you know, like a political statement and, and they would still have an issue with it. Right. So we'd still be kind of back here in the same in the same spot, mm -hmm. I think. So I don't know. I feel like that's kind of neither here nor there. But yeah, that's FIDE's bad okay. that they don't even have an official dress code for <laughs> their uh, their arbiters. Um, yeah, it's I, I feel like uh, I thought I was going to be disagreeing with you guys. Big time. <laughs> it seems like you guys kind of like, I don't know. I, I actually know exactly where you landing on this. Let me just say where I feel like uh, the distinction in my head that goes down where first I just want to say I, there's a prior in my history here 
So there was this interesting case where a friend of mine works for the bureaucracy, got a job, the bureaucracy in the state government of New Mexico. Okay, so you fine. And then she was told, no, you can't say anything political, even when you're not at work. Let's say at Twitter. And she's, you know, she, she's a very political creature. So this seemed to me when I first encountered this issue as like this incredible imposition to be like, no, you can't do this. Um, as I thought about it, though, you know, in time passed and she ultimately accepted it. It's this interesting thing where if you are working for an agency that has power over people, clearly it me doesn't mean that you have to stop being a political person. No one can stop being political. But you're under a different obligation than the rest of us for what you say in public. I still find it interestingly controversial that she can't say stuff, but I understand the impetus for it. And what happens too is if you know you're not an elected person, especially, and you're just working for uh, the government or some other some kind of government, such as FIDE as a government then you have to be at least under the appearance of being neutral. And you have to strive for that appearance of being neutral. Now, I just want to say, for me, the, the two biggest issues in the world right now are Ukraine and Iran. Those are the two biggest ones. And I get mad at the millennials and the Gen Zs when they're just freaking out about gender all the time. I'm like, buddy, look, there's other, there's bigger things going on in the world, man. And for me, I'm in a position where I feel like I, I can say anything. And I would honestly, I would never want to take some job where I felt like I had to be neutral. It's just a terrible imposition on my life. But I understand it. I also think, like, when we think about other comparable events in, in sports, like, every protest can be categorized as a human rights protest. Every one that I could think of, right? You have the famous one with the black gloves at the Olympics, right? that those guys got in trouble for. Obviously, you could construe that as a human rights protest in terms of an early Black Lives Movement uh, protest, right? You've got uh, dudes pulling up uh, some kind of message on their soccer shirt for their country or something like that at the World Cup. Those guys got shot down too. I get it. I get it. And there's certain events, especially with the chess world, where, yeah, you, it's like, it's kind of cool to have this early sense of what the Olympics was in ancient Greece of it being a, like a, a time to lay down the swords mm -hmm. and we don't bring the swords in and we don't bring the politics in. We're just doing this thing, and especially with the chess world right now. Like and Jesse, I was, I'll, I'll let yeah. you keep going, but just, yeah. just on your example, yeah, it was illegal and basically like against God for mm -hmm. countries to engage in warfare during the Olympics. Not, right. not just that the people who showed up would have laid down their weapons, but during the period of the Olympics, it was honoring God. It was like an important spiritual time. And your country couldn't attack, or your city-state couldn't attack another city-state while you guys were you know, running track and field together. So it, right, it right, was right. like a very much like politics is temporarily suspended, period. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's the tradition where all this grows out of, I think, in in sporting events. Um, and I think actually one of the things I think we should just acknowledge is kind of a mini miracle, is that I think it's amazing, for example, that we have guys guys like Nepo playing people from the West at this moment, 
where it's like, oh, it's pretty hot situation right now. And we're still playing chess. It's kind of a miracle. And one of the things we talked about when the whole Karyakin thing went down, right, was I was like, oh, man, the chess world is going to get fractured in two. It still might be. But it's a miraculous kind of thing that we're actually still, at least at the top level, having people engage from both sides of the conflict, right? And in, you think about it then from that perspective, if we value that, then then that's another reason to value the arbiters being as neutral as possible, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, 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 by the way, I'm totally for this woman. I like her story, uh, everything about her, but, uh, and I like her causes, but I get it that she can't express her views at a tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one way to think about it is like, imagine if she's arbiting at an event that involves, you know, an Iranian player playing against a Russian player or a Ukrainian player playing against a Russian player, or et cetera, et cetera. Like she's going to, there, there's going to be questions about whether or not she's an impartial Absolutely. arbiter, Absolutely. right? I guess that's like one place where it could sort of come up. Mm -hmm. I think also... While I don't think that anyone can be completely neutral, I think that's literally impossible. I agree. Right? So I think that what you have to do is you have to create standards and you have to be somewhat explicit about it. This is okay. This isn't. And no matter what you do, there's always going to be some gray area around your your lines for your standards. But you you know you do what you can. You create some kind of standard. So I think no one can be perfectly neutral. But I think that we could say that there'd be a level of being politically active that most of us even extreme free speech pro political people like me would say that's too much like i think almost everyone would have some kind of limit like would you want her chanting a political slogan while nepo's clock is ticking you know and he's playing against tikaru for the world championship right like i think and and you could say like you know, well, when are we not supposed to disturb you? When is the time to discuss the fact that people are being killed? It's important. Yes, it is important, right? Politics are very important to me. But I think everyone has some limit to how much they want it to invade every single sphere and every single activity and would say, well, go somewhere other than this, you know, chess world championship match. They hire you to be an arbiter. Right. You, you know, and so I'm not criticizing what she did do. I'm just saying, in theory, there's got to be some limits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I want to pick up on a couple of things you said, because you said at first, it's like, if an arbiter is kind of wearing something political, then they might not be, let's say, fully neutral, you know, when it comes to some kind of like dispute or something. But then you also said that like, no one can be fully neutral. And probably right. regardless of what these people are wearing, they probably have stances on the countries and situations at hand, right? So yes, it's always it's purely just the perception of whether they have bias or not. Yes. If an arbiter is wearing something, then it, it appears that they might be more biased. But I mean, I imagine, yeah, it like doesn't really change anything about how they're gonna uh, judge a situation. The other thing is like chess is a very um, upfront game. You know, it's not like these sports where really uh, you know, arbiters can can be overruled. There can be appeals. If she did something that was obviously unfavorable, like that would be extremely apparent immediately. You know, chess is a very clear game when it when it comes to disputes like that. Um, especially Typically, these high level yeah. events, everything's like on camera uh, these days. 
uh, anyways, like Fisher Random, you know, World Championship uh, and so on. Um, so yeah, to me, it just feels like more like FIDE is just, again, worrying more about like the perception of things and not really, uh, I guess, the, the, the substance. Because it's like they're very much still caught in the middle of this. And the biggest irony that like everyone's been pointing out, I don't think we've mentioned, is that like Dvorakovich himself is just like a political person. Just, like he has a like a background in politics. He was like a deputy prime minister for for Putin. Like, I mean, it's just like so clearly oh, okay. Fide has political ties. But hold on, this is the same thing happens in all government situations that the elected have a different uh, venue for their voice than those who are working for the elected. And that came up in my prior too, right? Like the people who are elected, they are there for their voice. They are there to spread whatever message they have. They got elected to spread that message. But mm -hmm. the people who are working underneath them, one of the reasons they can't say anything is because their job is to be a tool of the person who got elected. Right. So it's a clear distinction in my mind that Vorkovich, he was elected. He can honestly, he could say whatever he wants. It's a totally different situation. You know? No, I mean, but I, I don't quite get it. I feel like if FIDE, if their idea is that like they need to be a politically neutral organization, then the moment, you know, their president's uh, country like gets involved in like a war with another country that's like a member of FIDE. Like he needs to step down then. I mean, if the ultimate ideal is like political neutrality, there's like, if we're saying this arbiter can't be unbiased when it comes to like judging chess games, which are actually pretty simple to, to judge. Like it's, it's like there's a handbook and everything. Now, how can we say like Vorkovich is going to be like an unbiased FIDE president with all that's, that's going on. Right. When choosing like where to host the world championship and what sponsors to use and so forth. I mean, with anything, he, he affects, yeah, the chess world, you know, a thousand times more than, than any arbiter would. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll give, I'll give you another example, just very similar. So imagine you have the president of the United States, that person's elected, that person can say whatever they want. It comes at a political cost. They, if they say something dumb, there's a political cost. But the FBI, people working for the FBI and the CIA, they're not allowed to say whatever they want. And if they do, oh, the, the storm that happens legitimately so too if people think that the cia like the republicans now think that the cia or fbi are uh, deliberately against them if there's a prejudice in that organization or even in just one individual they have a right to make a storm about that mm -hmm. and so of course those people in the cia and the fbi have political opinions but it is their job to keep those opinions as private as possible but and they have, but we're, we're talking about job. like uh, we're talking about actual governments here compared to, to FIDE, FIDE is a government. FIDE is a government. FIDE was that guy as as corrupt as the process is for FIDE's elections. That person was elected. No, but but FIDE, I mean, is a government, but it's not a government of a of a country. It's the government it's of a, a government of an organization. Yeah, yeah, the, the chess world, and it has but, people who work for it. Yeah, but obviously, a, a country is going to be inherently. Uh, political you can't separate the politics from a country oh, but i think fide is inherently political too but that's that's the issue is that they're they're trying to say like we're trying to be uh anti-political no i i get it that's their but you're saying they can be political at the top 
and and that's totally people fine. who are elected are in a different position than those who are working for the elected for sure mm-hmm. for sure um and maybe just one story about this i think is interesting um I think David Lada got himself in a really interesting situation. So David Lada got himself into the chess world by being a chess photographer. And mm-hmm. we have a lot of people in FIDE who got into that circus, I think, with the best of intentions, right? Um, and we had short, for example. And then it's this weird thing where, like, the non-politicians got involved and they came with the best intentions thinking they could do a better job than the politicians. And then poor David Lada finds himself in the situation where I think he is basically applying the principle that I've been talking about and told her this. And David Lada is not some pro-Putin guy or something like that, but he's part of this FIDE organization now. And so he has to be the messenger of this bad news to this woman. And then he's going to get demonized for doing what was essentially his job, right? Yeah, really interesting, tricky situation. Um, and it's interesting for us because like we have connections, even if I don't know David Lotta personally, right? I have a kind of glimpse onto the guy's life and my degrees of separation from him are not that far, right? And as as you guys do as well. Yeah. Well, okay. I think that, let me see if we all agree on two fairly basic framework things. Number one, that it's very, very difficult to actually have neutrality. Almost everybody has some politics and some biases. Um, Yeah, Yeah. and also in certain situations, the neutrality is kind of siding with one side. Right. Yeah. So, and secondly, do we agree that there are venues or circumstances where you would want to limit to what extent people express their political ideas and biases? Yeah, right. Right. So obviously FIDE didn't yet have some kind of code about what she could or couldn't wear. Um, But if they were to put together a code or if they were to have guidelines, you know what, like maybe we could talk about the specific two outfits she wore and whether or not we think those are should be acceptable or professional or not. Mm -hmm. Um, So the first example is a T-shirt that says women, life, freedom. Is that right? Yeah. So to your minds, is that something that ideally an arbiter would not be wearing a shirt saying those things? I think if you want to say that the famous black glove protest, and I think it was 68 at the Olympics, if you Mm -hmm. want to say that that was a political statement, then obviously the shirt is also a political statement. Mm -hmm. Now, can you make disguised political statements and to what extent is it feasible? Like, obviously, the blue and yellow dress is a very clever, very clever political statement. Then it's obviously it's a political statement, but you could yeah. try to hide behind. She, and basically in her statements, she's tried to hide behind a couple things like the human rights issue. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't buy that at all, by the way. I feel I have a slightly different take. I just say in maybe different words in the way you said it, David, and then. Um, to me, every protest that I can imagine, especially memorable ones in sports, can all be construed as as human rights protests, right? That's the amazing things about this word human rights protest. It extends so you can construe it in such a broad fashion that it's hard to contain it into some little easy box. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, the first question would be, you know, can you ban people from having words on their clothes, right? Or not ban, but like, you know, can can we say that that's, that's too much, right? right. Because yeah. it could also just be something like happiness or like, yay, right? And then we'd be like, oh, like that's too much, right? But, you know, oftentimes these words are fairly reasonable or neutral or basic, right? But refer to a certain position, right? Like Black Lives Matter famous phrase in the US could be a really basic like statement where you'd be like, yeah, duh, obviously lives matter, black lives matter, like, mm-hmm. duh, right. Mm-hmm. But it evokes some stuff that would have some people frothing at the mouth That's to right. see, to see somebody have those words on them, right. And you could imagine depending on the movement that simply the word freedom or simply the word happiness or simply the word life, like a single word could be like, no, we can't have that word. It's referring to all this. Mm-hmm. And from there we get to like, are you going to ban yellow and blue colors from people wearing them? Then it that then you're sort of taking an anti-Ukraine statement. It's like, oh, the country's getting shelled and nobody's allowed to use their colors. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what if it's a Ukrainian player who comes to the tournament and wants to wear his own country's colors, right? Like, mm-hmm. so I I think it's tricky to say where to draw the line with these two outfits. Do you have any insight into how to do that, Kostya? No, I really don't. I mean, it's it's a tough situation. Again, my whole thing is that I just feel like this, um, the issue of like arbiters, I mean, really, it was just like one arbiter, like wearing like something that can be considered like a political statement. I really don't think that's a huge issue for for FIDE or one that they had to deal with. I mean, I didn't follow the, the Fisher Random World Championship like too closely. I don't remember anyone like complaining about her, like what she was wearing. I, I, that's what I'm curious about. Like maybe like, like who exactly had the issue with it? Like, like was mm-hmm. it Dvorkovich or was it like someone else that like he's, he's right. listening to? Was or, he or fielding complaints? Like did thousands of chess fans write into him saying like, I can't believe I was watching the broadcast and I caught a glimpse of yellow on the Arbiter's clothing. Yeah. Or, I mean, I would imagine it's more just like a potential uh, sponsor or like host of an upcoming event or whatever you know anyone important anyone influential like having an issue with it um so yeah and then it's like right but then they hide behind this whole like oh well, arbiters should be neutral which, which seems kind of like um uh yeah i don't know it seems it just seems like a blanket statement because there, there was people posting on twitter like other cases of arbiters um wearing like blue and yellow or wearing something that could be considered political and we there uh, you know Fida had zero issues with with that so like what <laughs> you know all of a sudden like this is now so it just seems like very very cherry picked on on Fide's end and I don't exactly know why um but but that's just how it kind of appears uh so that's why it's like yeah it's hard to I guess hard to take the you know, the general issue at hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to mention that we are graced by the presidents, by the presence <laughs> of, you know, a very, very uh, experienced international arbiter, Chris Bird here, um, who's giving us his own opinions about, about this. And he says that, you know, I mean, people in chat can read everything, right? But for those who listen to the podcast, I just want to paraphrase a couple contributions from him he's saying that in general if you take a job to be an arbiter you're hired by somebody you take the job as arbiter you're 
he thinks you're willing to wear what the what the employer asks you to wear. So if they don't provide him a dress code, he may inquire if there is a dress code or he may wear something really, really neutral and basic, so to speak, something that he thinks will you know, evoke no responses. And if he's thinking of wearing something that might evoke a response, he would check in about it. So that's that's yeah. our you know experienced arbiter perspective here on this. Um, but like, isn't also the the bigger issue, right? Is that Fide didn't renew her contract to work for them again? Because I think yeah, we 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 do get that. Like just in general, like if it's a Fide event, they want their arbiters, they want their arbiters just wearing like a very strict uniform. You know, that's kind of their right. And some events have that; they just have like a uniform for the arbiters and. I think that's that's up to them so um but but the issue is also that like i don't know the exact details but like she hasn't been renewed for the the next arbiters commission is that right and she's saying that it's because yeah. they're just kind of discriminating against like her political stances right but it's unprovable because you know half of all people don't return to their positions and she did get reassigned to a different committee. And she was offered another committee position. And if she were truly being, you know, blacklisted like crazy, maybe she wouldn't have, right? And it was the I, women's commission, which is also a pretty, you know, the 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 top of the heap in terms of political commissions. Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea. It'd be interesting to hear why she um why she turned it down. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the the her reason for declining it in in public at least has been said that there was a member of the Iranian uh federation who was appointed as head of that commission so she would have had to work as uh as subordinate to somebody who she views as hostile to herself so they offered her a position they knew would be very uncomfortable for her to accept potentially they offered her a position <laughs> that they knew she wouldn't accept or that they knew it, it but we can't you know we're just guessing at this point right yeah no no <laughs> i'm not saying that's what happened but it's just like yeah 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 that that's like a very plausible reason it's not like she was like yeah Meh, i just don't want to <laughs> it's just like right. oh you know that that sounds like something that um or yeah i don't know i don't know i mean clearly yeah we don't know the full the full kind of background or fide's um position on that um they'll probably say like oh we just move people around all the time and there's no reason why but it's just such a blanket so that they can just do whatever they want behind the scenes and then just kind of hide behind that anyway they can just always right. say like, oh, we just we always move people around. Yeah, um, I'm a little I'm a little torn up um, because on the one hand, I feel like there's too many taboos and taboos are set up deliberately. Taboos are part of a political agenda and, and social constellation. So I feel like there's too many taboos. There's too much silence in general in society. And I prefer to walk around in my normal day to day life with you know politics on my sleeve you know and if somebody in the supermarket store wants to talk about you know salaries and things that people aren't supposed to talk about you know if they want to talk about you know money or what it costs or what the laws are for the parking spots or whatever you know or what bike access is like i feel like all of this like is stuff that we should talk about more often and i like to try and live my every moment of my life in a way that is consistent with, uh, you know, politics and values that I have, you know, like openness and liberation and freedom and kindness and love and stuff like that. On the other hand, I, I do 
I do feel like when you take on a certain job, like your job there is is really like defined and you're supposed to kind of leave other stuff at the door in a way. And so like when I do chess commentary and I'm looking at a chess game and somebody plays E4, I'm not trying to say like E4, F capitalism, you know, <laughs> like, like that's not what I'm there yeah. in that space to do, mm. right? So, um, so I understand like if I'm hired to be a commentator, if I'm hired to be a tournament director or something like that, like there's, there's a function that I'm supposed to be focused on there. And the goal is not to distract from that. At the same point, I'm used to like, you know, if you've got something that's like, you know, really on your heart or on your chest to like get out, like I can see like walking around every day with a shirt saying, you know, I love Garfield, you know, and you, you really want to promote Garfield and it's, and you want to do that with every waking moment. So it's a little tricky for me to say exactly where it, where it, where it would land for me on whether or not, you know, I would do something like, like she did, but I think it probably, I probably land closer to what Chris said, you know, and say like, while you're the arbiter, you just sort of wear something boring while, while you're arbiting. One thing I want to bring up is, um, I think in a lot of ways, you know, it's very interesting philosophically in terms of how, or it's a cultural question too, in terms of organizations and the way you uh, work with them. But it, it also points to what we've kind of been swept under the rug since the Karyakin incident, right? Which has been like, we banned Karyakin and not the other Russian players. The Karyakin banning was already a weird, interesting decision, right? That was very hard to justify either way. If, if it's just a one-off, then whatever, it's just a one-off. But then like we haven't banned the other Russian players. Then we forced them to play under this international flag. And that's been kind of going forward. And then Carlson screwed up and abdicated. Like, I'm, I'm still mad at you, buddy. Okay. <laughs> he abdicated. And now we have this ridiculous match coming up that on a sporting level, I'm not interested in. But in terms of this thing, it's like, well, China plus Russia are now going to be basically in their part of the world for this event. Not clear that the event will ever come back from that side of the world, that the chess world could cleave. And then we're in two situations. Thank you, Carlson. And then I don't I don't know. I don't know. But clearly what the event this event points to is like. Fide was already wishy-washy in the Karyakin thing. They were wishy-washy about the flag. There's a, a variety of people inside of Fide that want and, a, and around Fide, they want Fide to be more proactive on the Ukrainian issue, such as Peter Heine Nielsen's shouting about it every single day on the Twitter. It's obvious. So there's a lot of pressure, obviously, for them to be more proactive. And then, of course, you've got this dude, Dvorkovich, unbelievable situation that he's at the top. I read today when I was researching this thing that he's on the he's on a committee in Russia that's like an honorary chess committee. Who else is on that committee? Sergei Shoigu. Oh, unbelievable. He's on a committee with Sergei Shoigu, the minister of death for the Russian military. Are you kidding me? It can't get more political or insane than that, right? So this guy, in a certain way, it's like, I mean, it, it's untenable. It's untenable, but he was elected, and here we are going forward, and we have all this wishy-washy stuff that, in a way, like what the case shows is like, if we're going to remain one chess world, 
over the next couple years. And I'm not seeing any resolution of the Ukrainian conflict in sight. If we're going to remain a chess world, then in a way, right, it's like she has to not wear something political, i.e. by she being all arbiters, right? We have to be able to come to some safe space where it's just about the game or else it's never going to happen. And I realize for a lot of people, that's just unconceivable. For example, we're talking about uh, Iranian players, Iran now, of course, producing drones for the Russian military. We're talking about Iranian players not playing Israel, Israeli players, huge controversy. That's also been swept under the rug. But imagine forcing Ukrainian players to play Russian players. I don't know, man. And there's a lot more Ukrainian and Russian players than there are Iranian and Israeli players. So that it's yeah. going to happen, right? Especially, Jesse, since it seems like every single top Iranian woman player has defected and 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 fled the country. Like, it seems like they just lost their top six or eight players. Right. And Russia lost, is losing their, Russia's losing a lot. Russia's of bleeding players too, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the other thing is, I mean, FIDE has already taken steps. Like, they rearranged, you know, the FIDE, because like the FIDE uh, Women's Grand Prix or Women's Candidates, so that the Ukrainian players wouldn't have to face the Russian players. And they right. just like split them up. And it's like... Yeah, and redid the pairings based on that, so... Yeah, which presumably was because of like complaints from like the Ukrainian uh, Federation that, you know, they didn't want their players to be forced to, to play against Russian players, which kind of feels, feels understandable. I think the um, position of the Ukrainian Federation was that the Russians shouldn't be allowed to participate. So they okay, definitely didn't enough. get their request. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Vita's response is just to like just to separate them. But like, uh, yeah, obviously not not ideal. And um, especially in women's chess, it's like most of the top players are like uh, Russian or, or a lot of the top players are like Russian and Ukrainian. Um, so, yeah, they're going to have to at some point uh, like take a stance because you might have a, a case where Ukrainians just start forfeiting um, like Iranians do and just being unwilling to play, um, which would be uh, extremely difficult for, uh, for FIDE and everyone. Um, so yeah, very, very messy situation, but it all comes from yeah. the top, right? Like that's one of the big reasons why we're in this mess. The other is like, I feel like it's very awkward for FIDE because a lot of their money comes from Russian sponsors. <laughs> it's just like very difficult for them to, uh, I think appear, uh, neutral on any of this stuff. Yeah. I mean, me, me personally, like, I think, you know, I just, I just wish that people were, I don't know, more intelligent and clear in their language and their understanding of the concepts, you know, like understand that things are political, understand that human rights are political, like just like seeing people argue and have everything wrong is, uh, <laughs> is, 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 is troubling to me. Like, I understand it's hard to figure out, even if you know what the terms are, it's hard to figure out exactly where the lines should be but i feel like at minimum people should like understand what the words what the word political means well i do like how i mean i feel like everything is kind of playing out somehow as it should you know jesse was saying like sports have often been like an arena for political uh statements and like some of the most like famous like moments in history are, like most uh 
influential moments in history is like athletes and like their political protests. And then the federations or the organizations, you know, they always have a problem with it. You know, it's kind of like their role. And in a way, like FIDE, they kind of helped her cause. It was like, you know, by taking action against her, like, they, you know, they forced her to come out with this. It's like a ton more people are now hearing about the story. And uh, I mean, I feel like in a way, FIDE is kind of, yeah, playing their role as the bad guy that's kind of trying to like silence this like this woman that's speaking out. But on the flip side, actually uh, amplifying her voice to a lot more more people. So that's kind of a good thing that FIDE is doing inadvertently, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it may have been a bit of a non-issue because I don't, I don't imagine they got a ton of like mail about her political statement. I don't think it was a big deal, but them getting mad at her about it is a much bigger story, apparently. Yeah, that's still what I'm wondering about. It's like, who thought that it would be worth it to, because that's always a risk, right? If you ask someone to like stop wearing something, not like not wearing something because it's like shorts or something that everyone can agree, like, okay, shorts, you know, like whatever, unprofessional, you know, like t-shirt, you know, uh, like like asking Magnus and like Nepo to like not just wear like t-shirt. Like we get that, like it's not about politics there. It's just like they don't like the the t-shirt look, but it's like that's always a risk if you ask someone to not make a political statement that it's going to blow up in your face. So like clearly must have been very important for them to, uh, um, you know, for Dvorkovich to come in and tell her not to uh, not to wear it. Yeah. Yeah. Incidentally, that's one of the reasons why I think censorship is as a, as a project is generally pretty stupid. It's like very often the censorship becomes like a bigger deal than the original statement because the people being censored usually don't have that much reach. So not that many people would have necessarily heard it anyway. And then you censor it and that becomes a story or it just shows that you're like an idiot or it shows that you can't handle the truth. You're trying to suppress the truth. So that like gives people a clue that you're wrong. So I don't know. Sorry, that's a digression, but <laughs> yeah okay cool that was a good talk yeah all right well i guess we'll we'll end it there um we'll keep an eye on 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 what happens with this is like still like very very fresh but thanks to everyone who uh tuned in and listened and we'll catch you folks next time all right all right bye, bye.